to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. I got to record this episode in an unusual place, the Jungle MMA and Fitness Gym in Orlando, Florida. That's because my guest is Felicia Spencer, a math teacher turned UFC fighter. After winning the Invicta Featherweight Championship, she went on to continued success in the UFC by taking on some of the most elite fighters of all time, including Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. I wanted to learn about the mindset it takes to become a mixed martial artist. And I'm glad I did because Felicia offered some great tips that can apply to anyone who wants to face challenges, test their limits, and step outside their comfort zones. Make sure to stick around for the therapist's take at the end of the episode. That's the part of the show where I'll break down some of the strategies Felicia describes and tell you how to apply them to your own life. So here's Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer, thank you so much for being on the Mentally Strong People podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So I first learned about you probably um, when a lot of other people did too. I watched part of your fight with Amanda Nunes on TV. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks for watching. (laughs) Who, I guess I'm curious, super curious to know, how did you end up in the UFC? Uh, Well, it just kind of was like a lifelong passion for martial arts. Just one thing, you know, led to the next step, next step, you know, started competing, kept winning fights, got, you know, turned professional, kept winning fights. And then next thing you know, you know, I get a call from the matchmaker for the UFC. I was, uh, I was seven and oh, as a professional when I got called to, to come and fight for the UFC. So. so that's how it works. You get a phone call one day. <laughs> well, it was actually a text message, but um, <laughs> well, luckily I had, I, my professional career was through Invicta, which is a really tight knit organization with the UFC. Like a lot of female, it's a female organization, actually. A lot of women that fight for Invicta have a really, you know, good opportunity to fight for the UFC if they do well. So um, Shannon Knapp is the CEO of Invicta and she's she works hand in hand with them all the time. So luckily I had that connection and it was a little, you know, um, easier to build that that network for her. So so this is what you've been hoping for then for a long time is to get this text message phone call, <laughs> yeah. something that, that invites yeah. you to officially um, come into the UFC. Is that how it works? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they, they, we talk and, you know, what do you, what do they want? What do I want? And, you know, get a contract signed and then you're official. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's when I, when I first started training and fighting, um, it wasn't really even, it wasn't an option. There were no women in the UFC, you know? So it was like, well, I'll just take this as far as I can go because I'm enjoying it and let's see where it goes. Um, so it didn't even become like an option until I was, you know, pretty far into being competitive with, how, how long ago did that happen that women were um, fighting in the UFC? I was still an amateur when that happened. Um, or no, I was an amateur when Invicta started. Um, you know, Ronda Rousey's debut in the UFC had to be like probably eight years ago now, something like that. Um, 
I don't remember the year that it happened, actually, but it's it's fairly recent. And it sounds like a long time ago, but but for most you know, of the time yeah. you were training, that this was never the end goal because it right. wasn't even available. Yeah, when you were I mean, it was it like was... the the dream, I guess. But it was like you know, we'll see, we'll see what where we can take it, you know. And that was pretty much it. That was. <laughs> but I read somewhere you were an algebra teacher up until fairly recently. <laughs> yeah, um, I was an al- algebra teacher up until May. Actually, is when I resigned. Um, you know, I, I went to school. I, I wanted to be a teacher. You know, it's something that I just always found myself doing since I was little, just trying to teach everybody little stuff. So, um, and I wanted to be in a field where I could, you know, really connect with people who struggle with a subject like math. And I was, you know, good enough at math to get a math education degree. So that was kind of how I found that, you know, that path. And then um, during school, I did an internship with Florida Virtual School, which is an online school. So I got an in, you know, I, I did really well with the internship. So I did only one semester in a brick and mortar school and then I switched to virtual. So I was a virtual school teacher for about five years before I put in my notice. <laughs> and were people surprised, your students or their parents, did they know that in your spare time you <laughs> were training to be in the UFC? Um, I don't think most knew. Uh, it wasn't something that I like intentionally broadcast, but if if you Google, you know, me, then you kind of know, you know, it's pretty obvious right away that it's the, what I do. Um, so for the few that did, um, I think it was, it was always positive. I never, I was always like ready for that negative feedback, you know, like the, the stigma to come out, but I never really had to deal with that from parents and people like that. They kind of were maybe surprised because I, the way that I speak, it's, I'm very like, you know, I know how I sound. I sound very just quiet and soft, you know? So, um, it was more just like taken back, like, oh, wow, that's you. And then, you know, some of, especially on, in the virtual side, a lot of those students are full-time virtual because they have, you know, Olympic, uh, aspirations. Like some of them are swimmers and they just train all the time and they get it. Like they kind of understood like why I was, uh, you know, they, not why I was fighting, but you know, like that I had a passion for something and, you know, I was doing it competitively and they were kind of, um, yeah, they were just, they got it. Like they were understood. And I was happy that they had maybe like a little bit of inspiration to, you know, keep going. Right. We have, so. what kid wouldn't think it was super cool that this is what their math teacher does on the side. <laughs> yeah. Do you, and what is, what is this, I guess, normal reaction you get from people when they find out what you do? If somebody just passed you in the store or they meet you on the street, it's probably not what they're expecting to hear you say, right? Yeah, it's it's probably the last thing. Um, well, it's yeah, it's just usually like, really? And then have to kind of convince or, I mean, I don't really try, you know, take it take it for my word and that's it. Um, especially, I have, my husband also is a fighter and he looks the part more. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's got the ears, you know, it's a little more obvious. Um, so people always, you know, oh, he's, he's the fighter. And then when he, he's like, well, I'm not in the UFC, she is. And they're like, look at me like, oh, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're the fighter. He's like, no, we're both fighters. And it's like, I beat him to the UFC. That was kind of our, <laughs> that was our competition. When we met, we met six years ago. It was like, you know, oh, I'm going to beat you to the UFC. And he's like, no, I'm going to beat you to the UFC. And then I did it. So <laughs> good for you. Yeah. <laughs> do you get any negative reactions from people? Are there people that think that it's violent, that it, you shouldn't do this, that it's a bad idea? Um, not, not as much as I, as I thought I would in the, in the past, like, you know, six, eight years ago, it was more like that cringe kind of look when, especially like older 
people, you know, would hear. They kind of like, I don't know, like, or you have such a pretty face, that kind of stuff. It's like, what does that matter? What does that have to do with it? You know, um, or just like the doubt, you know, that I would, especially before, I feel like it's gotten so much, it's so much different now. Like when, when you hear a female fighter, it's like people believe it. It's a, that it's possible to be a female and a fighter. Whereas before it would be like, oh yeah, you're, I remember I was in like, um, going to an amateur fight locally and my team was fighting and I was, I was there as like a, you know, to be in the corner, to sort of be like a coach, but more so just to like help the coaches do their thing in the corner. And I had a coach shirt on and the people at the door were like, almost not going to let me in because I was, they're like, didn't believe I was a coach. So like no girlfriends in the corner, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm not a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm uh, here for the team. So it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so it's a lot less of that type of stuff. Like people can see it now. So it's, it is kind of crazy to have like lived through that transformation of like mindset for just the general people, you know? So. I bet. And you're breaking down lots of female stereotypes as far as being a math teacher, right? When we <laughs> right. talk about math in general, there's the stereotype that when women and girls aren't going to be as good at math and then to right. say, all right, I could be a math teacher, no problem. <laughs> and then to get into fighting yeah. and to say, I'm going to get in the UFC and and here you are, you actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. actually. <laughs> um, it's crazy what where life can take you when you just, you know, stay dedicated. It's, it's not like it was all part of my grand scheme of things. It was just like, you know, just trying to be, trying to just look out for myself and for the people around me and just every day, just staying dedicated. So were you into martial arts as a kid? Yeah, I actually started with my brothers. I was four when I started. Um, I did Taekwondo, so more traditional. And then when I was 12, I started jujitsu, uh, like grappling. And then, and then I just kept adding more and more different styles to my, you know, to my arsenal and uh, led me here in, in 2009. I came to the jungle where it was the first MMA gym that I went to, like mixing everything together and being competitive more with it. So, um, so yeah, it's been a lifelong thing for me. And what's your family and friends' reaction about you getting into UFC and MMA and fighting? <laughs> it's it's all good. It's all positive. Like my family's like huge fans. You know, they support me all the time. They travel. They went to Edmonton with me. They've uh, they've gone to Rochester. They've traveled for it. And um, you know, they tell all their, their friends, and they have watch parties with all their friends' friends. And you know, now when I go home, it's like when their buddies come over, I take pictures with them. It's like, you know, it's all, it's all been really just support, you know, especially once like my family just knows that the type of person I am, like I'm very rational, I think. And they kind of know that. So they know I've weighed my options and they know if I want to do this, that it means that I really, really want to, and I'm passionate about it and I've weighed the risks and, you know, it's something I'm willing to do. So, so they're all for it. <laughs> what if I, do they get nervous watching? Just I can imagine it must be so painful for them to think of you getting hurt or something bad happening. Do they, yeah. do they get nervous when they have to watch it? I'm sure. I mean, I, you know, I get nervous when my teammates fight or my husband fights. Like it's all, it's kind of like more like right before it happens. It's like, what, what's going to happen? That's really what it is. Like what will happen? There's so many things that could happen. Um, so they definitely get nervous. I'm sure they're yelling super loud and just, you know, screaming at everything if they're watching from TV or something. But, um, you know, at the same time, they know I'm, you know, I'm tough enough to take, you know, whatever is given to me. And uh, I'll, you know, I'll be able to pick myself up off the floor when, as just, you know, as everyone knows, when it happens, when you lose or you get beat, it's like, you know, you can just pick yourself back up and 
you'll be all right. Like I'm, I'm all right. So. Where did this toughness come from? <laughs> did you just grow up always like a tough kid or did you develop it over time? Um, well, I was, I think I was pretty tough for, you know, I, whatever age I was, you know, just, I was pretty daring, more daring then than I am now <laughs> as far as like, you know, doing stunts and stuff. But, um, you know, I had, I had two older brothers, so there's always like a little bit of that that comes with it. But, you know, I think it's, I don't know, just like believing in yourself was something that I was always like taught to, be, you know, taught to do. And like, I don't know, like our name, like, oh, you're a Spencer, you know, like you're you're tough, you're strong, you can do anything, you're Spencer. So he's always like, yeah, obviously we're, we're great. So <laughs> what did your brothers just, go on to do out of curiosity? Uh, my, one of my brothers that I actually trained a lot, uh, quite a bit of my childhood with, um, he's a chef. He's, he's been working in kitchens since he was like 15. Um, my other brother, he was more a fixer guy. He was, you know, working with his hands and learning all the different trades. He worked in oil, oil fields, every type of construction you can imagine. And, um, just kind of more like the wind. He just goes uh-huh. wherever the wind takes him. So, But your parents taught you from a young age, all three of you, that you could do whatever you wanted. You were going to grow up. You were strong. You could be tough and follow your heart, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just kind of like kind of normal thing to grow up thinking. No, I think, you know, it's uh, I guess we just believed it or I don't know. Yeah, it just just worked out. But And how about you? Before you step into a fight, what runs through your head? What's your mindset? There's a lot of different things. It's, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's not always, it, it just, yeah, it just bounces around. Like sometimes it's, you know, I just got a job to do. My coaches are really good about just saying, okay, just another night at the office, you know, another night in sparring. And that's where I perform really well is when I'm just like comfortable, like familiar, you know? So it's like, I do this all the time just because the lights are on this time. It's no different, you know, gonna, someone's standing in front of me trying to win. I'm trying to do the same thing, kind of go have fun, do your job, you know? <laughs> so, um, but there's always like, you know, I want to, I, the, the feeling that you want to win, the competitiveness is, it pulls you in a lot of different directions, like, you know, just the pressure or not wanting to let anyone down or, you know, everything you can imagine goes through your head. But uh, I think I have been pretty, pretty good at being grounded in those moments. You know, I don't feel like I've especially never shown any anxi- a lot of anxiety, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's, there's different levels of anxiety that, that you go through it. And, and the thing is with, with fighting is it's not really all on that one night. You know, it's not just right before the fight because you typically have like two months when you sign the contract. I know I'm having a fight with this person on this day. So there's like a whole bunch of different th- things that you go through in those two months. You know, it, it's, you know, training really hard and, you know, in my sport, we have to diet, you know, meet at a certain weight. So there's a lot of that involved, being angry all the time, hangry all the time, sure. you know. Um, so just, yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, you, you want to win, but you don't want to always just think about winning. You want to think about performing, or at least I do. Like, I try not to think about, someone had a really, really interesting quote, I think it was from GSP. And he said, don't think about the outcome, focus on the goal which really struck me because I was like, okay, well, yeah, the, my, I want the outcome to be winning, but the goal is like performing to win, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So it was like something I heard recently that like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense not to worry about what happens. Just do what you do, what you can control, which is like 
makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of that. Focus yeah, on what you can control. Because exactly. you can't control your opponent, but you can control what, what you, you do, do that day, right? Yeah, exactly. But I imagine then in your sport, then it's a lot different than other sports. You have, say, two months of sort of anticipatory anxiety, yeah. right? Of knowing it's coming. Yeah. And then you want to be prepared. But on the other hand, you could easily waste two months worrying or thinking yeah. about all the bad things or... Uh, I can only imagine then what goes into those two months of training and preparation and, and knowing that you have to be ready at the end. Yeah, for that one big moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's, it's highs and lows. And the, you know, the one thing that that I try to, you know, um, coach, you know, my team with or just like I think I've done really well with is just not like letting the pressure get to you. Just just like like you said, just knowing what you can control and just having like a really positive outlook on everything else. Like I think my gratitude for even being able to do it is what like really pushes me to just like be calm in the moment and just like have that positive outlook. Because like I know there's there's people out there who wish they could do what I do, just whether they have a physical disability or whatever it is, like maybe they had to you know, they had to go work and they never were able to train because they had to take care of family or something, you know. So there's a lot of different circumstances that would stop someone from being able to do this. So I just look at all the, you know, all the things to be grateful for. And, you know, if I lose a fight, like, is that really a big deal? And in the grand scheme of like life and like what other people are doing and going through. So really how to keep it in perspective? Yeah, perspective has been a lot for me. So... And gratitude is huge. I always say gratitude seems to be this underrated superpower. Just yeah. recognizing what you have in life and acknowledging the things that you can be grateful for, even in the hard times, can shift your attitude yeah. and affect the way that you feel and help you perform better. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was um, actually getting ready for this fight. I was getting like medicals done or something. And I came across like I just, you know, walking um, around the, the doctor's office, there was, you know, someone that didn't have arms. It's like, you know, what am I even worried about? Like, it's so sad to, to think about it, but it's like, wow, I have both my arms. That's, I'm lucky, you know, like, this is awesome. Look at me. I got two arms, you know? Right. So as silly, as silly as that is, it really struck me. I was like, what am I even, this is great. Like, this is, this is a vacation for me. Like it should be, you know, that's how I should, should think about it. Even though I do take it seriously, of course. Um, but I always come back to that. Like I find, you know, anyone I run into, it's like, wow, yeah, like, things could be, things in my life could have led to a point where this wouldn't be possible. So I'm just grateful that I'm here. And then how do you bounce back after after a loss? When you go into something, it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted. How do you not let that get you down and keep you down? Um, with with the losses I had, um, I've had two against really big opponents, actually. Uh, they were, it's fair to say you were the yeah, underdog going yeah, into the last <laughs> to fight, right? <laughs> so Amanda Nunes, obviously the, the you know, the great one of the, she's in the argument for the greatest uh, female fighter of all time. And another one that's in the argument is my other loss, Chris Cyborg. And, you know, I think for me, it's it was a little bit maybe easier to to overcome those like feelings of losing because my opponent was such a high stature, you know, right. I don't know how I would have felt if it was on a lower level. I guess I do. Cause I did lose an amateur fight. So I know, I do know what it feels like to lose an amateur fight. Um, yeah, I just, you know, kind of like I've been saying, it's, it's I've just always had the attitude of, you know, I, I went out and put my best foot forward. Maybe I didn't even perform the best that I could, but I'll have to take that as a learning opportunity and just move on to the next one. You know, like what else, 
what else can you do? Just lick your wounds and get back out there. And how <laughs> so, do you go into a fight knowing that sort of the odds are stacked against you that from a statistical standpoint, people kind of put their put their money on the other person. Yeah. So knowing that you're kind of the underdog, how do you go into it with a positive attitude and still thinking that you're going to going to win? Otherwise, I would imagine you're not going to bother to get in there unless you Yeah, I mean there's, there's always there's definitely I I do always feel like I can win. Now, I didn't always feel that way, but now I go in and I know that what it comes down to at that level is just the decisions that you make and the decisions that they make and it's not even always like the best person wins. It's just those decisions, like who prepared to make the best decisions in the in the moment. Um, and I always feel like I have the skill set that can shine. But in the times that I lost, you know, I just didn't make the adjustments for one reason or another, you know, whatever it is. Um, but when I started fighting, I honestly didn't have that like belief that I could win or that I would win. I knew that I could, but I didn't think I would necessarily. Like I just did it because I wanted to try. Like I just, I wanted to try maybe for myself or maybe just because like I didn't want to let my team down because, you know, it's like, oh, everyone's rooting for you. Everyone wants you to do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I really didn't think that some of the people I fought I would be, but then I did. And it just like, oh, wow, I can be really tough, scary looking people. Like, this is a possible thing I can do, you know? So it was, it was kind of interesting looking back. Like I didn't realize that I was thinking that until years later. And I was like, yeah, I totally did not think I could beat her. And then I did. It was like, oh, okay. That's not so bad then. And so that gave you some <laughs> yeah. confidence. I was like, you know? yeah, I didn't think I could do this. And then I did. So, you know, why bother wasting all that energy? I'm not thinking you can do it, you know? <laughs> How much of what you do is based on uh, mental, your mindset and mental skills versus how much of it is just purely physical skills, would you say? Um, I'd, I don't know if it's 50-50, but it's close. You know, I mean, just just be not just in the moment of the fight either. I mean, like just training, um, not being like hard on yourself each and every day, like when things don't go your way in training, not to be hard on yourself, like to just accept that along with training or whatever the, whatever the activity is that you're doing, there's, it's not always going to be your best moment, you know, and that's okay. Like you're, you're training to win in the end. You're not training to win the day. Like my coach says that to us a lot now. It's like, if you're not training to, to beat the person that you're training with, you're training to beat the person that you're fighting later. It's eight weeks from now. So don't worry about this moment. So um, and, and also just being able to like lose around in, in, in class and then, get pick yourself back up to go right back in and keep going for another round and maybe win the next round um or even just like working out you know lifting or conditioning is like you definitely don't always want to do that you know um but just bringing yourself to the gym to come when you don't want to come just being here i think something that that i've done over the years is like i'm not the most fit person at the gym i'm not the strongest i'm not the fastest i'm not the best wrestler I'm not the best striker but i feel like i've come to the, to the gym. I've come every day, you know, I've, I just keep coming and just, I've just been dedicated, um, for one reason or another, just, I just keep coming back here. And then, you know, just that the mat time and just like the time that you spend doing all the things, you don't have to be the best at it to put it all together in the end and, and actually make a good product, you know, like. I think I've, hard work beats natural talent yeah, all the time. You know? But if you are a hard, dedicated worker, then uh, you gain the skills. And even if you aren't the absolute best in everything, it all comes together. Yeah. It just, it just flows together. You know, um, 
yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm not the best at every, at, at anything, any one thing in the sport, but I think I'm really good at putting it all together in the moment. So how do you push yourself? The days you wake up and you think, oh, I don't feel like doing that. Or I'd rather just eat something that probably isn't on my diet or I just don't, yeah. <laughs> don't feel, I'm not feeling it today. What do you do? Um, for me, a lot of the time it was just like, that's in my schedule. So that I'm just something I'm doing. And that's something, maybe that was more instilled when I was younger, but I, I always filled up my plate intentionally anyway. So I kind of, I always like the structure and you can make your own structure, you know, especially now I have a lot more freedom to do that. But even when I was growing up, you know, I'd, you know, of course we have school, but then I would book myself with after school stuff. I'd go train at night and it just follow the schedule. And, you know, I, I grew up like, oh, that this is on your schedule. This is something that you, that you're committed to and you don't just not show up to school. You know, like you don't just not show up the train. Like you have to go do this if you said you were going to do it. If you don't want to do it anymore, you know, wait, you know, if enough time goes by, like, okay, you don't have to do it anymore. But um, so, yeah, I kind of grew up like if it's there, you commit to it, you go do it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if I don't remember what the beginning part of your question was. But yeah, the structure that I make for myself is just once you get used to following it, it's like easy to follow. Even if you don't want to. I like that idea because I think for a lot of people who they're probably never going to fight in the UFC, but they want to go to the gym for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. But if they have nothing going on, you just keep putting it off. And it's easy yeah. to be, I'll go later. I'll go this afternoon. But if you make it a schedule, if you have a structure, so yeah. you eat breakfast, then I go to the gym or I go to the gym after dinner, whenever it is, but yeah. make it part of your day. And it's like, even when you don't want to go, if you just go, you're never going to regret going, but you'll regret not going. So it's like, I always think about that. I'm like, well, I'm just dragging myself there. And half the people here are feeling the same way. When you show up to class, it's like, oh, here we go again. What are we doing here? Why are we here? And we laugh and then and then we just start. And then you just do it. And then before you know it, you're having fun. And it's like, I'm glad I came. Like, this was fun, you know. So it's it's not just me. It's like, I know everyone, half the people here are feeling the same way. They didn't want to come, but they came. And then once they come, it's fun. And once you get started, then yeah. do you feel like it's easier to keep going? Oh, yeah. It's like once you're, once you're, especially once you get warmed up, it's like, okay, I feel alive again, you know? Because so. I, I think that's an important point. A lot of times we look around and we think, oh, everybody else is more motivated than I am. They all want to yeah, be here. But to remember, <laughs> a lot of plenty of other people drag yeah. themselves to, to go yeah. do something too. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of that um, that goes around for sure. So, um, and it's nice that, you, you know, if you find a place, like I found this gym in particular, that for me, it feels like, I'm going to see my friends and family when I come here. So it's, that's a little bit extra motivating to just like, oh, you know, I don't want to let them down if I don't go. Or, you know, when I go and I walk in the front door and I say, hey, you know, everyone says hi, you know, it's a warm, friendly place to be. And, you know, finding that place for you to, you know, for everyone to connect with, um, that helps a lot, you know, something that makes you feel welcome to be there. So we've talked a lot about that on my show about having community and that it's yeah. important to have other people who help you stay accountable if you yeah. have other people. And sometimes it just takes that little extra, you know, you're going to see somebody yeah. that you want to see and it becomes easier to motivate yourself to to get going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is, you know, it's, it's crazy. Just like I said, it's, it, you become like a family of people, you know, when you get to be around the same people over and over again, the same schedule and um, you know, you go through something tough, like you have something insane happen in your life, but then you still come whether you wanted to or not. And then all of a sudden you just feel like you're in that routine again and it feels, it feels okay. It feels normal. 
you know, so. And I really like the notion of just thinking, okay, I won't regret doing it, but yeah. I'll regret not doing yeah. it. And just reminding yourself of that to push yourself to do those things sometimes that you don't want to do. Yeah, for sure. So. And what do you do when you, when you mess up? I assume there are times that you've either not trained as hard as you wanted to, or when you eat something and you think, yeah, that wasn't really on the <laughs> diet. What do you, how do you recover from those missteps? Um, just like you said, things that you can control. Well, I can't control the past, so I'm just going to have to move on from that one, you know. I'm not real big on like punishing myself or, you know, thinking about it in that negative light. Like I'm always, you know, just thinking about moving forward and, you know, being kind to yourself, I think is, is really important. And, you know, everyone, everyone's going to falter. And, um, you know, I think I, even when I think I'm doing a really good job of doing something, um, there's always room for improvement. So just because there's a little bit of room for improvement doesn't mean that I did something wrong either. So just finding that balance of always wanting to make yourself better, but not really like punishing yourself when you're not better, you know? I'm so just, glad uh, you said that because <laughs> I see so many people that were like, oh, I ate a piece of cake yesterday. So now I have to run 10 times as far today. Or yeah. they think I, I slept in and I shouldn't have done that. Now I must be punished. And no, like, that's really not how we motivate ourselves. Yeah. And we wouldn't try to motivate other people by, you know, yelling and screaming, calling them names because we know that that wouldn't work. Yet sometimes yeah. we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> how do you find that balance between pushing yourself hard enough, but also not being self-critical or too harsh on yourself? Um, I don't know. Just just trying to keep the positive outlook and everything all the time. Uh, it's something that I think you can kind of like, if that's not just the way that you are, I think I have a little bit of that just naturally. Like I'm just always trying to smile and just I'm always looking at the bright side. Uh, probably get that from my dad. But, it, you know, it, it, I think that's something that you can build too. You know, you can kind of fake a smile until you smile. Like that totally works. You know, I've done that a lot. <laughs> so like if you just kind of pretend like you're being grateful or not being mad at yourself, then I think eventually it just becomes more natural. So like fake it till you make it kind of mentality with being positive and being good to yourself, being kind to yourself, you know. <laughs> so. That's another great skill is to, sometimes people will say, oh, I don't want to fake it because I'm not a fake person. And they get that mixed up with sometimes yeah. it's about putting your best foot forward. Yeah. And when you act happy, sometimes then you feel happy. So yeah. just like you say, there's plenty of research behind that notion. You smile yeah. and then you feel happy. You yeah. don't have to wait until you feel happy to smile, but you can do it the other way around. So if yeah. you act like you're a motivated person, then you actually increase your motivation. So right. changing your behavior first is <laughs> exactly. an awesome skill. Yeah, Glad and that you it's said totally that that not works. being fake. It's just that's it's still you. You're just you're just trying to, yeah, like you said, put your best foot forward. Just trying to, you know, it's it's still competing with myself. Still trying to just be better than I was yesterday, but just a different way of looking at it, I guess. Awesome. So what's <laughs> next for you? Um, well, I I have actually a grappling match that I'm doing, which which is kind of exciting for me. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But I, as far as fighting goes, I think um, early next year sometime, like I asked for like around February to get a fight. Um, you know, I, I did take a lot of damage in my last fight. And it was in June. And I think it's really important to take time in recovery. Like recovery is so important mentally, physically, like all of it. So I, you know, I wanted to take like six months to fully physically recover, but also just like be ready to go into a, fl a fight camp again and be motivated to do it. Um, and actually this grappling match came up. Um, it's, it's kind of like in the grappling community. It's kind of a big promotion, but no one else would ever hear about it. Um, so it's actually in, in Portland, Oregon. And it, I've, 
you know, competitive grappling I haven't done for like seven or eight years. So I used to do tournaments, you know, local tournaments all the time. And then actually the last tournament I did, I lost. I actually got choked and put to sleep, um, which is funny. But then I haven't <laughs> actually done another one. And I, it, part of it is just because I started doing MMA and I started to win. And I was like, winning feels good. I don't want to lose another match. So I kind of like built like this weird anxiety about doing a grappling tournament or doing a grappling match for like the last eight years. And when this opportunity came up, I was like, you know what? It's just one match. I already know who it is. I'm like, this might be a really good way to get a little competitive without actually taking a fight. And uh, and I'm really excited about it because I was like, this is something that I've I've 100% I know I was avoiding for so long because I just didn't didn't want to like be embarrassed about losing or mm-hmm. you know especially now that my name's a little bit bigger it's like oh I didn't want to be didn't want to risk losing so now I'm like well how can I challenge myself to step out of my comfort zone I think that's something I really need to do so I was like okay if I do this I'm excited about it now <laughs> I'm not really anxious about it so win or lose I think it's a really good step for me that I made myself do because I really wanted to feel that discomfort again. And the idea of doing a grappling match without being able to do all the rest of this, the sport that I do. Um, now it's exciting, but I was so, so anxious and avoiding it for like the last eight years. I, it's so easy to do that in life where yeah. once we get it's a little like, taste of success, we yeah. just want to do the things that we do know. That. Yeah. That's like a for sure thing where we know that there's a good chance that we're going to be successful because yeah. We get that taste of what it's like to to win, and it's yeah. scary. How did you face that fear and say, "Oh, I'm going to do it"? Um, you know, it was just like I, people have been, you know, coming to me to do different tournaments or different things, and then you know, over the years, I'm just like, "Oh no, you know, I got a fight coming up. I got this or that. You know, I'm not going to focus on that right now." And then there's actually another big tournament that's in Orlando. Uh, because everywhere else won't allow big events. So Orlando happens to be a place a lot of places are going or a lot of organizations are coming to. Um, so a lot of my team is doing the, uh, like it's the world tournament for grappling uh, the week before this event, actually. It's December 20th is my grappling to- my grappling match. So they were like, oh, you know, you should do this. My coach was like, I really want you to do this. Let's sign you up right now. And I'm like, let me think about it. Let me think about it. This was like three weeks ago or a month ago. And I was like, I don't know. I'll I'll think about it. This is, you know, let me just sleep on it. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. But then I started to think about it. I was like, well, maybe. I'm like, I don't really know if I want to, you know, risk getting hurt or blah, blah. And then like the next day I got a call about doing this grappling match. I was like, well, it's only one match. It's not a whole tournament. So I don't have to go a whole bunch of rounds with different people. I already know who I'm going with. And they're going to fly me out to Portland. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. I'm going to do it. So it was kind of like I was thinking about it, but kind of like wishy-washy. And then like this came up. And I've always thought like, you know, if I can travel for free and go do something fun, you know, why not? So I was just like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I might talk to my coach the next day and I was like, so I have good news and bad news and then good news. <laughs> good news is I am competing. Bad news is it's not for the tournament in, in town. <laughs> good news is I'm doing this, you know, this big, this big match out of town. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of a recent me overcoming my anxiety moment that I was happy about. So good for you. So even though you're <laughs> as successful as you are, you're still trying to challenge yourself, put yourself out there, do things yeah. that are uncomfortable because you want to get better, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, and it's, 
it, I feel like now that I've, you know, I've, I've done all this different, all these different things, I've, you know, lost all these big fights <laughs> or these two big fights, you know, it's, it's really not that bad to go through the experience and have it not turn out the way you want. So, you know, just kind of thinking about that, I was like, you know, I know the person I'm grappling is like a really awesome black belt jujitsu and she's beating everyone else. So, you know, worst case scenario, she beats me and I just lost to like a really badass girl. So worst case scenario, good, best case scenario, I beat her. And then I get that on my record. So, um, so yeah, I was just kind of like, it's really not, not that big of a deal in the end. <laughs> and, and that's a great strategy is to just walk yourself through to the end and say, well, worst case scenario, what could happen? Well, it wouldn't be that bad. It's not the yeah. end of the world to push yourself yeah, to do something. Still pretty cool. <laughs> right. So a last question would be to somebody who has some sort of goal in life, but they think that they're not strong enough to do it. If they're doubting themselves, what advice would you give to them? Um, self-doubt is a really, really powerful energy to overcome. Um, it's, it, you really just have to to know that not trying something you can look back and regret like you I always just thought about well I have this limited amount of time that I can try this and if it doesn't work out I have a lot of different things I can fall back on you know was, that's why I went to school you know I got a degree and this and that so having like having that backup plan made me feel secure enough to try so maybe just having all these things that you can fall back on might give you just like a little bit of the confidence to just try because you know if you fail, it's not that big a deal. Like I said, you can just fall back on all these things. But then if you, the best case scenario, then you just keep pushing forward and and follow your dreams. So I love that because I think a lot of people say, no, if you have a plan B, then your plan A won't work out that well because right. you won't try as hard. Yeah. But I'm more with you. I yeah. think if you have a plan B and then you exactly. know that you can put your heart and soul into plan A, but that it's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't work out. Right. That, that makes it a lot easier to exactly. do it. Exactly. And I told, like, there was the few students that I talked to uh, when I was teaching too. I was like, you know, if this can be a little bit of insight into, you know, the world of being a professional athlete, like, especially in my sport, you don't really make money until you get to like the 1%, you know, and most sports are going to be like that when you're, you know, trying. So you, you know, it's really good to have a backup plan or to still, you know, care about your education or, you know, to balance multiple things and, it makes you appreciate the things that you do and the things that you accomplish when you had to work that much harder to get to it, you know? So just like, you know, working and going to school, it's like you appreciate that class more when you have to work for it and pay for it yourself, you know? So same thing with being an athlete. Like if you had to work all day and then come to the gym at night and be exhausted and then go to sleep and have no social life for years and years, well, that's just the, that's just going to make you appreciate all the good things that come from it. So and that's, you know, that's what I did too. So it kind of, you know, I tried to be like a good role model for having that backup plan. And it doesn't have to, you know, your goal doesn't have to consume every part of your life either. You know, you can have different things going on. Wise words. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I know yeah. my listeners will take a lot from that. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Welcome to The Therapist Tick. This is a part of the show where I'll break down some of Felicia's mental strength building strategies and explain how to make them work in your own life. Felicia had a lot of great tips, so it was tough to just pick a few. But here are my three favorite strategies for building mental muscle. Number one, take control of your story. When Felicia worked as a math teacher, she was a little concerned about what students or parents might think if they learned that she was a mixed martial artist. So rather than anxiously wait around to see if anyone found out, she took control of her story. In her online biography, she described herself as an athlete and mentioned that she was in the UFC. 
she didn't keep it a secret, and she didn't wait until she was approached by a parent who had already heard about it elsewhere. Instead, she took control of how her story was told. That's an important point. Sometimes we hide certain aspects of our lives because we aren't sure how other people might perceive it. But when you spend a lot of energy hiding something, it means your story owns you. Taking back your power is about taking control of your story. You empower yourself by deciding how you're going to share your story and when you're going to tell it. So I really like the way Felicia decided to share this other aspect of her life. Number two, remember your big goal. Felicia said that when she's training, she remembers that she's working toward a big goal. So even if she loses a battle in the short term, that's okay. She's training for the future. That kind of attitude could help you keep mistakes and short-term failures in perspective. If you get turned down for a promotion, it doesn't mean that you can't still have a great career or that you won't be financially successful in the future. Or getting rejected by someone, it doesn't mean that you won't have an amazing relationship with someone else down the road. There are lots of different ways to reach your big goals, and your path to getting there probably won't be a straight one. So keep in mind that the little problems and obstacles that stand in your way now don't have to prevent you from reaching your big goals. Number three, play the worst case scenario through until the end. Felicia acknowledged that sometimes she feels anxious and she becomes afraid that she might fail. But when she feels that way, she thinks about the worst case scenario. That's actually a really good skill. Sometimes we're afraid to do something because we're afraid that something bad will happen. And so then we avoid doing it or thinking about it because we're afraid. But if you take a minute to think about what actually might happen, you might see that it's more tolerable than you think. For instance, maybe you don't launch your own business because you're afraid that you could fail. Take a minute to think about that a little bit more. Imagine that you do start a business and it does fail. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? You might struggle financially. And then what would happen? Perhaps you'd have to get another job again or maybe even close down the business. But those things aren't the end of the world. When you're afraid to do something, play that fear through until the end. You might find that the worst case scenario isn't all that bad. And it might give you the courage to try. So those are three of Felicia's tips that I highly recommend. Take control of your story, remember your big goal, and imagine the worst case scenario. It might not be that bad. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.